Welcome to Cordia Future. My name is Andy. I'm your host today. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Ben Hannett. He's a former rugby league player and he represented Australia as well. It's an absolute honor to have him as a guest in our podcast today. So um, Ben, it's an absolute honor and uh, it's, it's really, really um, a special moment for me because to have a person like you in my podcast, I never in my dream, I thought in my third podcast, I can get a celebrity like you. Oh, good, Andy. It'd be great to talk to you. Awesome. So welcome to my podcast. And um, I just wanted to uh, let my viewers know about a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do. Yep. So I grew up on the Gold Coast in Australia. So I've got 10 brothers and sisters. And growing up, uh, my brothers all played rugby league. So they, I'm number nine of 11. So they were mad about their rugby league so they used to watch it we'd play in the backyard and i just wanted to be like my big brothers and the superstars that were on tv and as i got a little bit older uh, my parents lost our house we lost everything the cars no money so rugby league for me then got put on the back burner and i did i really hated it as a young kid i was about eight nine years of age and i did 12 months without being able to play the game of rugby league so i didn't come so my rugby league, where I got to, started off with nothing because for me to be able to start to play rugby league again when my parents lost everything, I used to go around mowing lawns, washing cars, pulling weeds for five bucks, ten bucks here and there to be able to save up to pay for my, you know, for my boots, for my registration so I could play. So that's how I started off. And I really, the reason why I think I was so successful in my rugby league career because when I started, it wasn't given to me. I had to work for it. And I think if you work for something, you, you respect it more, you look after it more, and, and you're committed more. So that's how I started my rugby league career. Uh, when I started out, I wasn't that successful. When I was a, a young boy, I wasn't the biggest or the strongest. I'm born on the 31st of December, so I was always the youngest in my team. But uh, when I try out for rep trials, I never really had the opportunity there. I, I ended up um, missing out on playing the representing football when I was a kid. So I wasn't the greatest kid growing up playing the game, but... When I was about 15 or 16, my mum, I remember being pretty upset with where I was at the moment. All my mates were making these, these teams, the representative teams. And I was like, why can't this be me? Why aren't I the one making these teams? And my mum, I remember she pulled me aside and said, well, what are you doing about it? Are you training harder than them? Are you doing the extras that, that they aren't doing? They might be more talented than you, but are you doing the extra work? So my mum challenged me to start doing 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups. This is when I was about 14, 15, and I started doing that every night before I went to bed, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups. And in the space of about six months, my body started to change. I started to get more muscles. I started going for runs, and things started to look up for me. And when I was 16, uh, Wayne Bennett, most people in the rugby league world knows Wayne Bennett. He's, he's a super coach. He's won six premierships with the Brisbane Broncos. He's won uh, one with St. George as well. Like He's the godfather of rugby league. And he invited me along to a Broncos development squad. I'm thinking, yes, I've made it. Mm. So I was, I was about 16 years old at this stage. And I went to this Broncos development camp. Mm. And 
when I rocked up, I was, got the track suit, I got the boots, I got the shoes, I got all the gear, all the Bronco stuff, which to me was just like, I've made it. I've, look at this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing my, my hero's emblems. And when I rocked up, the funny thing is, the first thing Wayne Bennett said to us was, to the group of boys, there's a lot of, there's about 25 of us boys there. He, he said, as Wayne does in a real deep voice, out of all you boys here, only one of you is going to make it. So I was, looked around the room, went, oh crap, that's not going to be me. Because Sammy Thide was there, Neville Costa, and these guys have gone on to play for Australia and represent our country and state of origin. But we're young boys and I'm looking around like, they look fitter, they're stronger, they're faster. And so while we're in this camp, they put us through all the tests. So we're doing fitness, skills, agility, weights, all that sort of stuff. And that, all the testings, I was coming up the back end. I was nowhere near. And I was starting to get pretty discouraged and thinking, looks like rugby league's not for me. My dream, wow. pretty much it's not going to work out for me here. And I felt pretty dejected. And I honestly thought about ringing my mum and saying, mum, just come pick me up. Because this is up in Brisbane. I lived on the Gold Coast. The camp went for about four or five days. And I remember the night before we left, Wayne pulled all of us, us boys in after dinner and had a good talk to us all. And he said one thing that really stood out that night. He said a lot of things, but one thing that stuck with me and changed my life forever, that changed the way I thought, changed the way who I am as a person. He said a lot of things that night, but he said one thing. He said, boys, there's no one better than you, but you're no better than anyone else. He goes, I'll repeat that. And I always knew if someone repeats something, I know that's important. He goes, boys, there's no one better than you, but you're no better than anyone else. Mm. I thought about that, and I, I remember just thinking, what the hell is he talking about? Mm. But I went back to my room that night, and I just kept thinking about it. I couldn't sleep. There's no one better than you, but you're no better than anyone else. And what does that mean? And then I had a light bulb moment. And it's changed my life forever. It's, this, is, this has changed who I am, and I still stick by it now, is there is no one better than me, but I'm no better than anyone else. Everyone else has the same opportunity as me. What am I willing to do? I could be the best at whatever I want to be, but everyone else has the same opportunity to be the best. What are they willing to do? You might be more talented with fitness and, and agility, but I might have to work five times harder than you to get to your level. Am I willing to do that work? And same vice versa with everyone else out there. And it not only relates to rugby league, it relates to everything I do in life, is it makes me realize that I can do whatever I want to do, be whoever I want to be. But everyone else has it same way. If I'm willing to do more work than anyone else, then I can, I can be that person. It also made me respect people as well that I'm, when I do get to the top, I'm no better than anyone else. And, and that's something that's really stuck with me. And from that point forward from my career, I've believed that I could be the best. So when I went back to, to my school football and, and club football, I started to doing twice the amount of work as anyone else. I started really work, started to believe that I could be the best. And in the space of 12 months, I went from being a nobody to playing junior state of origin. The following year, representing Australia, traveling as a schoolboy to England and France, and then signed by the Brisbane Broncos. And then uh, the following year, uh, two years after that, playing NRL, professional rugby league. And that all came off the back of, there's no one stopping me from being who I am by myself. The only one that's gonna stop me from succeeding was me because I could be the best. And I was a nobody. I was, I'm not the most talented. I'm not the most natural football player going around there. But I was a hard worker. And I was willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. And within a short period of time, uh, you know, in the space of, it's crazy. I, it felt so long at the time. But in a short period of time, within the space of probably six years from that point, I'm playing representative football, which is, which is pretty cool. It's, it's so interesting when I was talking to you because 
nobody ever give me like this strong introduction about themselves. So what I, when you're talking about like, you're not, what are you trying to say? You're not actually, you don't, you're not actually competing with anybody. You're competing with your own, yourself, right? You, you, are, you, you are your own biggest competition. At the end of the day, you gotta look yourself in the mirror. And, and that's, that's one thing he also, my Wayne Ben also taught us on that camp is you gotta be honest to yourself. And look, a lot of people want, everyone, everyone wants, everyone wants to be the best, everyone, but what are they willing to do? Do they honestly, do they look, and then if you can honestly look yourself in the mirror and say, did I take a shortcut today? Could I have done more today? Could I have been nice to this person? Did I give that person the time of day? All the little things that if you're constantly trying to work on yourself and better yourself, that's what, and you do achieve what you want, that's the most satisfaction you're gonna get. It's not the money you make, it's actually knowing that you've reached your true potential of what you can be. So there is no shortcuts. No shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. There is zero shortcuts. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing feeling you representing a country, right? That's like a dream for a lot of people. Like it's um, like you said, it's not about the money. It's, it's about like to prove to yourself you can do better. And uh, that, when you, when you prove to yourself, like, you know, it took you to the next level because you are playing for Australia, representing your own country. Like, how does that make you feel like? What was you, when you, when you, when you realize that, oh my God, I'm gonna put the Australian jersey and I'm gonna press, represent the country. Like, what was, what was your initial thought like? Yeah, it's crazy because as a young kid, you look at the guys that play for Australia, like these guys are superheroes. These guys are freaks. These guys uh, have got so much talent. And it's crazy because when I first represented my country, I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing here? I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough for this. And I was panicking a bit and freaking out thinking, um, how, how's this me? How am I going to be able to represent my country against England and France and New Zealand and... You know, I'm just a kid from the Gold Coast that, but one great thing that I learned from one of my teammates, Petro Sivanasiva, who was a very, very big name in the rugby league world, was the reason you're picked here is not to do anything special, not to go out and win the game by doing a big play, a big move. The reason you're picked in this team is you're the best in the country at what you do. And what you do is exactly what we need in this team. And so as a young kid, as a, oh, I was 24 years of age, and he was a, a statesman at 32 years of age, gave me so much confidence and gave me so much comfort in that I am the right person for that job. Mm -hmm. And that you look at those players as a kid, that these, that's unreachable goals and un, unreachable dreams. Mm -hmm. But the reason you get there is from those small and simple things you do along the way that gets you there. And once you're there, you don't have to come up with this big, amazing play or you have to be the game-winning play. It's all about doing the little things which actually turns to big things. And what you do week in, week out, those things you, you do at training, then, then uh, converts over to what you do in the game. So when you, when you play for the Australia first time, right? So have you got that same feelings when you started your rug, rugby? And you, know, you said that you were like a bit nervous and you were scared, like you know, when you started the game, right? And uh, you made it to the national team. Did you go back? That same feeling. Oh, yeah. I was scared. I was scared. Every time I put on a jersey and played the game, I was scared. Like, I think everyone, if someone tells you they never got scared, they're kidding, they're lying to you. Because yeah. you think of it, if you've got 120 kilo blokes running that want to take your head off, want to smash you when you're running the ball, like, 
it doesn't tickle what we do. It hurts. How do you but overcome that? How do you overcome that? Is what you do in training. It's like everything in life. Everyone wants, you can't just go out there and automatically achieve what you want to do. Mm. It's all that hard work you do behind the scenes, all that training you do week in, week out, all the stuff which gives you confidence. Mm. So when you're in that game situation, when you put in that situation, you know exactly what to do in that situation. You know that how to make that tackle. You know how to have that run and be able to step off your right or left foot. It's all that hard work that you do, the, the 30, 40 hours you do that week for that five minutes on that football field. That's what gives you the confidence. To be so you to don't want to disappoint your coach, disappoint the people who actually put trust in you. So all you wanted to do is actually do your best in the field. Oh, Definitely you always want to do your best and you never want to let your teammates down. But that's the best feeling in the world is overcoming the fear. So it's all right to be scared. But once you have a game plan, it's like in business. It's like in football. It's like with family. You've got a game plan. You follow that game plan. And once you execute that game plan, there's going to be rock. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be tough times in life. But once you execute it and you stick to that game plan and you come out and you, and you achieve what you want to achieve, that's a true joy of life. That's a true winning feeling. It's not the money. It's not the awards. It's it's knowing that you stuck to that. You, you're true to yourself. You're honest to yourself. You stuck to that game plan and you execute that game plan. Because you, not just in football, anything in life, you're going to be scared of certain things. You're going to get have failures. You're going to make mistakes. But it's what you do after that that, that picks you back up and, and gets you that success. Every every beginning of the podcast, I'm scared. <laughs> you know. But once you get into it. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go with that, that flow. It's, it's automatically that if, fear goes if, if away. You don't push through that. You're never yeah. going to achieve anything. No. And you're going to stuff up. Absolutely. That's what you do next. You th- okay, I've learned from that stuff up. I've, how do I fix it? How do I not do that again? And that doesn't just relate to football or this podcast. It relates to relationships. It relates to your workplace, your goals, whatever you want to achieve. So I can see... Um, on a list internet while well, I was doing a little bit of a research about you you had a really good career from 2005 to 2018 17 2017 17 yeah, you retired 2017. 17 um what made you retire in 2017 is that yeah it was tricky because I've achieved everything that you can achieve in our game I was lucky enough to win two premierships I was lucky enough to play for my country I played state of origin won a six origin series um yeah, Dallium, prop of the year. So I've, I've achieved everything in the game. And I wanted to keep playing. I love the rugby league, but I've had a few injuries. My knee, I've had cartilage taken out of my knee. I can't, I can't touch my shoulders. My elbows are so, so, so many operations. So my body's pretty banged up. And at the stage I had six kids and I was going into a radio station just giving the updates of what's been happening during, during the week, how we performed. And I had a bit of fun with the radio stations. And in the off-season 2016, uh, one of the big bosses of one of the radio stations here in Australia um, said he really liked what I was doing and said, would you be interested in doing a trial? And I was like, well, what's, what's this radio stuff? I don't... And he's like, just come down to Brisbane. I just want to hear you tell a couple of stories. And so I jumped on the plane, came down here, tell a couple of stories for an hour, hour and a half. Went back up to Townsville because I was playing for the Cowboys at the time, getting ready to play the next season, 2017. And two weeks later, I get a phone call saying, mate, we want you to, want you to do radio. You know, what, what will it take for you to hang up your boots and, and pick up the microphone? So I never thought I'd do radio. I never thought. But now I do breakfast radio here on the Gold Coast, talking rubbish, having fun. <laughs> and 
So that was my transition, was a great opportunity where I achieved everything I would like to kept on going, but now another opportunity where I had to learn another game plan, something completely different out of my comfort zone, learning how to do radio and understanding the game plan of how to be successful in the radio world. This, this new challenge opened up to me and rugby league's life expectancy used to only be two years. So the average NRL player, if you worked it out on games from the bloke that played one game or 400 games, it works out to be about 52 games, which is two seasons. So I was lucky enough to already play 11 seasons at this stage. So my career was coming to an end and there's an opportunity to have 30, 40 years in the radio career. So as much as it hurt to hang the boots up, it it's, was exciting, this new challenge, and I grabbed it with two hands. And now I'm four years in and about to sign a new deal and, and enjoying just uh, you know getting the people of the Gold Coast excited in the morning. So I just do three hours on the radio and a bit of commentary on the weekends of the rugby league, and it's, it's been a great experience. You're always entertaining people. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> I, the way I look Love at radio it. is... When you play footy, you've got a group of mates around, you're telling stories, you're having a good time, you're going out partying, having, you're living a good life. Well, people want to know about that. People want to join in on that. And all I'm doing now, instead of being talking to my footy mates, I'm talking to a whole city about what's going on in the city over that, that night before or that week and, and having fun and making them laugh, making them cry, making them have a good time. So for me, it's just made a locker room a lot bigger that fits the whole city in now and having a good time. That's awesome. You know what I like about sports? Because for me, as a growing up in India, in a tiny little village, coming to Australia, you know, I have a lot of face challenges and everything. So during my hard time in my life, what I watched was like sports movies. You know, it has a power to empower people. Like, it's not just a game, it's actually beyond the game, right? It's if you look into any sports in the world, like, you know, whether if it is soccer, whether if it is rugby, cricket, it has a story behind. And that story actually motivate people to do something. I think that's why I think the greatest motivational speakers in the world actually sports well, because, people. Because this is why, is because when you think about it, you know, most people can have a bad day. If, if you're working at a computer company or for Google or wherever you work, if you're do- whatever it is, you can, it doesn't matter if you're not at your optimum every day. But as, as a rugby league player, it would be the same for a soccer player or a cricket player. Is So for us, there's 17 positions in that one team. So not only you're, you're working really hard to win the comp at the end of the year, so you, for 12 months you're fighting really hard to win the championship, to win that, win that trophy. But not only are you trying to win that trophy, you're trying to win every single week so to be able to get to that trophy. So you can't have a bad day because you've got to compete and win week in, week out. Not only that, there's, you've got a squad of 35 players. Mm-hmm. Out of those 35 players, only 17 get to play every week. So if you have a bad day at training or something, there's always another kid ready to take your spot. So every time you go to work as a, as a professional athlete, you have to fight every day to be able to hold your job. You, you're not guaranteed your job. So there's only 17 positions, there's 35, it, it doesn't fit. So every day, you, you can't have a bad day. So you're always pushing to be at that top level every single day which pushes you to be better and the the life lessons you learn from those sports is is incredible like probably one of the biggest lessons i've learned is that small things turn to big things small and simple things turn to big things so when i was playing state of origin footy my first ever origin training session i had i was so excited so training was at nine o'clock i rocked up at at, it was 2000 yes 2008 my origin 2008 yeah so i was only young i think i was 23 and 
I rocked up to train. Training was nine o'clock. I rocked up at 8.45 and I was freaking out because when I got to training, all the players were already on the field. Billy Slater was out there, Cameron Smith, Petro, uh, Pricey, all the Jonathan Thurston, they're already out there training. And I freaked out thinking, crap, I'm late. I'm late. Oh no, my first training, I'm late. I'm like, it was nine o'clock. But there was no coaches on the field. The players were already out there doing extras already before training. They're already out there training. The, the forwards were doing tackling, wrestling practice. The outside backs were doing hands, drills. The wingers were catching kicks uh, from the halfbacks. It wasn't the flashy flick pass they were practicing. They're practicing the basic small and simple things, the, the basic stuff you do in under sevens footy. They're doing that, not because they had to, they're doing it without coaches. And it made me realize that the reason these players are the top and the top of our game sorry, is because they do the simple things right. They do the little things better and more than anyone else. And that's why they made it to the very top. And that's, we had such great success. We won nine out of 10 Origin Series, that group. And I was a part of six of those years, which was incredible. And I was looking at these players. And that's what I learned from is they do the small and simple things better. And that's why those small and simple things they're doing at training turn to history being made in the Origin Series. <clears throat> on the contrary to that, I've been a part of NRL teams that take shortcuts, do small, make little small mistakes. Oh, I don't have to put that little bit extra. I can start in front of that line. You know, no one will notice those things. But those things turn to big things, and we had terrible seasons. So one thing I learned was from small and simple things, great things can can happen, or great mistakes can happen if you if you do the small and simple things wrong. When I when I started watching, it's so good. When I. When I started the rugby, I think that was in 2009, 10, because I had a bunch of Sri Lankan friends. They're the one who actually introduced me to the rugby, you know. In India, we are pretty okay with the cricket and uh, cricket. cricket, yeah, and soccer. We love, we love soccer too. So when I saw the rugby and I was like, wow, <laughs> this is awesome. Like, you know, people tackling each other, you know, this is great. Um, but then I there was some i remember like when i was talking to one of my friend about the rugby and he told me that oh man this it's not a big deal like you know these guys are big guys they just go into the stadium and uh you know tackle each other it's not a big deal and i told him no this is beyond just tackling this game is very strategic like a, oh, yeah. a lot of this this is not just like you walking in the you know into the, the field and running to each other because it's take th this game is beyond what we think everything we do is for a reason out there so you might yeah. think oh they're just going back and forth back and forth yeah, exactly. but i'd be in trouble as a front rower if my job was to be tackled five meters inside the scrum line which is 20 meters in from the sideline yeah. if i was 10 meters in my coach would chew me a new one he'd rip my the back end out of me he'd be angry at me and i'd copy it in the video session mm -hmm. because the reason i'd have to be tackled five meters in from the scrum line is if i got tackled there that's where the four and three defenders which is a halfback who's small and a back rower Who's the, who normally work in an edge defense. If I got tackled there and there at marker, that means two fat front rowers like me would have to get her down the short side and number up. They're out of position. It's a longer short side, which is a great opportunity for us to attack down there. So always you're playing the numbers games, hitting certain points of the field to be able to make teams make mistakes. What is it like to be playing? Like, will you be in, in, in soccer when you come down to football, right? So you, you mark a player. You know what I'm trying to say? Yep. You mark the striker and uh, things like that. So do you, do you have the similar thing going on in the... 
Yeah, so what you see, it's like a swan. It looks graceful on top and beautiful and, and calm, but underneath the legs are going crazy underneath. That's us at training. So we're doing ridiculous amount of video sessions. We're doing ridiculous amount of skill work and wrestling work, depending on what we're working on the opposition that week. So for an example, a player like Jason Tamalolo, who's a $10 million player, a million dollar a season, he's a big beast. He runs for a ridiculous amount of meters. So say we're marking up on him and how we got to stop him is we'd have a game plan that made him make a lot of tackles. So we'd say we'd want to be about make him make a lot of tackles, getting back. So we'd use up all his energy and all his juice in defense. So when it came time for attack, which is he's one of the best in the world at, one of the all-time greats, is he's been, we just made him get off the ground three times every set, get back uh, third man in from the marker. So we sapped up all his juice. So when it came time for him to attack, there's no energy in the, there's no juice in the tank for him to be able to do that. So certain players, you sort of take away their strengths by wearing them out, hitting their weaknesses, make them doing more work than what they do. So when it came time for them to do what they do best, they haven't got that energy. So you're constantly working on your position. Not only you're working on your own game and sticking to your game plan, but we're using your game plan to best uh, nullify what they do best. So you, you've been, when you said about the video training, right? You've been watching the opposition play like I wasn't understanding their, how do they move, you know, like you, it's, 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 it's take a lot of work before a game, right? You, uh, you will be preparing for one game, like maybe. Or a week. So every week, week yeah. we play, but there's hours now. So we do two, three hour video sessions at a time. So you're in there for that long studying certain things that they're doing, not only working. So beginning of the week, you'd be straight away, uh, evaluating your game, you'd be breaking down what you did right, right what you did wrong, how we can fix the things you're doing wrong, and then you move on to the opposition, and then you're going through that whole team and and what they bring and what they how they normally attack their their strengths, where their weaknesses are, and then you put a game plan up for that. So constantly, you know, in in a lot of other professions, you know, you you know what you need to do to win. You can just keep doing week in week out, but for us, that changes. So you constantly have to reinvent the wheel, constantly change your game plan up to be able to best use your weapons. There's 17 weapons on your team to best nullify their 17 weapons and to be able to take them out. Well, it's not like what you see just on TV because this is like a week or month long of preparation in one game, right? Like for an example, um, uh, for me, I, when I watch it, I'm just like, wow, this is, I can't even imagine getting into the field and getting a tackle from from a person i feel i have an ultimate respect for that like you know to entertain the people the viewers like you know the 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 amount of time and the amount of uh, like you know your your health and how much you guys actually risking to entertain other people and when when someone lose the match and i they they blame the people and the team and i always say like don't like did you see what they what they've done in the field, like, you know, they put their life on the field, like, you know? Yeah, we, we, we love, we, and the key is we don't just do it for the money. We don't just do it for the fame. The reason we play this game is because as kids, we love this game. We lived it, we breathed it. It's who we are. That, that's, we grew up doing that. Is but, that passion? That and if you didn't have that passion for the game, mm -hmm. and if you're just doing it for the money or for the fame, yeah. you, you wouldn't last long in our game. The reason we play this game is because it's mateship. Because you've got seven, you've got 35 essentially teammates that you train week in, week out. You 
you play broken, you've got stitches, you've got broken ribs, you've, you've got needles injection in you to numb certain body parts because they're broken. But you do it for your teammates because you're fighting to, for that end goal to be able to win a premiership. I won one luckily when, in 2006 with the Broncos. I didn't win one again until 2015, nine years later. That's how long it was for me to be able to win another premiership. So much hard work, so many broken bones, so many teammates that, you know, unfortunately weren't able to win premierships that they missed out. But that's, that's what it takes to win those premierships. You know what I was really concerned? Like when, when you said that, um, so when, when did you get married? What's that, sorry? And when you got married, like... Yeah, I got married young, yeah. So, so what was about, like, I wanted to think from her perspective, was she worried about you when you got... Oh, yeah. But she knew this is what I love. This is what, what, from a young age, when she first started dating, we started dating. She wouldn't date me till she was 16. Okay. So we're best friends from about 14 and a half. Became best friends. She started dating me at 16. So she knew from me coming through how much I loved the game. Yeah. But, so you had that support of your wife all the time oh yes and she enjoyed the footy as well her, her dad used to play footy as well but she just understood that that that's something that my passion what i loved and once i started making a profession out of it and i was starting to get paid then she just assumed that that's just like a normal job she did what she could do to support me to help me when i came home injured she was incredible she was a rock you know she'd, she'd be had the ice pack ready she'd have everything i needed to be able to <laughs> to be able to get myself back on the field that following week. Yeah, so when you talk about the mindset, because um, I remember you saying the first time, you know, you had challenges when you started playing, but you overcome that fear and everything. Like, I want to know a little bit more about that mindset thing, right? That winning attitude, like, you know, because you may lose some games. How do you overcome that, that losing and going into the next game? Because, yeah. you know, it's not like, I, I'm, I'm doing a business and I fail, that's just my fault, you know? But when you fail, that's like a, the, the team and there's like a bunch of audience watching. You've got, you got to be honest to yourself. Why did you fail? Yeah. And whatever it is in life, why did you fail? If it's your business or what do we do? So straight away, you understand. And then sometimes we play sick. Sometimes you don't feel like playing footy, but you're, you're demanded to do that and you're demanded to do it at a high level. We expect it of ourselves and others expect it of us. And the way you overcome that and the way that you can pick yourself up from losses is certain things that get you into the game. What, so in rugby league, there's certain benchmarks you have to hit. If you hit these certain benchmarks, there's a very good chance you're going to win. So if you have a high completion rate without any drop balls or errors, so if you complete above 80%, you're a good chance of winning a football match. But how do you get into a football match, firstly, is when you rock up to the game, how do I get straight into the game so the game's not already gone 20 minutes and you've barely done it? barely done anything so as a team it's always you've got to complete your first five sets so every time you've got the ball for that set of six is you got to make sure you don't make an error if you make an error you've just invited them in and they start winning that arm wrestle for someone like me who was a front rower that first set of six if we're kicking off i have to guarantee like i have to get in that first tackle wherever it is i've got to be in that first tackle or if i'm not in that first tackle, i have to be damn well in that next tackle if I get some good heavy contact on straight away in the game, I'm in that game. If it's we're kicking off to me, I've got to have a run that first set. I've got to wind up and the things I do right, get plenty of room, get my, my speed up and make sure I get in between players and fight for a quick play the ball. So those simple things, there might be three things I'll be working on to get yourself in that match. If you do that, you're in the match. If you're completing high, you're a good chance that you're going to win that footy match. So there's certain, certain benchmarks. If you hit those, tick those certain flags that you've got to hit, 
you do that, you're a good chance of winning. So if you do that consistently week in, week out, which the good teams do, that's what gets you at the end of the year playing finals football. I wanted to get into something really fun, but <coughs> your, your nickname is Polar Bear. Yeah. Is that because you played for the Bears the first time? No, nah, it wasn't for that. It was a commentator. Ravs Warren was the most famous commentator in rugby league. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had longer, uh, my hair's blonde, it was white, <laughs> it was nice and thick, and I was big, chunky front rower. So they said that, you know, I looked like a polar bear. So <laughs> he started calling me the polar bear, and that sort of stuck. And, yeah. and from then on, when, when I'd have a, a run, you know, the commentators got excited and, yeah. and, and called me the polar bear. Tell me about your family, Ben. Like, um, so you have 10 kids? No, I have eight kids. Eight kids, eight eight kids. yeah. yeah. Uh, do I have another wife you haven't no. told me about yet? Or, you know, is that my next wife? No, I've got eight kids. And, and it was funny, because when I started my career, footy, it's, you know, it's a real party, bachelor lifestyle. But I had to make that decision when I was younger. I was, you know, I was 19 years of age, nearly 20 when I got engaged. Because I was like, do I want to go down that partying, having a... You know, that, that sort of lifestyle and going out there and just having a good time with whoever and whatever I want or do I want to get married and start something special with someone and because I met the right person. I knew my wife was the right one for me. And so I had that decision with two and you know, as much as this looked beautiful and fun and exciting, you know, I knew what I really wanted in life was a family and, and I knew I met the right partner and, and married my wife Emma and, and haven't looked back since. We, it's had our first child at the age of 21 and and you know, my kids got to enjoy the journey of rugby league with me and got to go to the games and after we'd win they'd come on the field and do the victory lap with us and mm. it was pretty special to have a family young and be able to enjoy them on the field with me. You, you've been playing like um, every year like um, I don't know how many games normally you play every year. Normally 25, 26 rounds in the competition then finals there's two buys in that but I think I averaged around 25 games a year. 25 games a year. How do you balance your family time while you're on the you know on the field? So the number one thing is no matter as important as football is in the you know the Australia everyone lives and breathes it, it's everything always made sure that my family came number one. So my wife and kids was always number one my, my career in rugby league was number two. So if my family needed something, I always made sure that they got looked after first. And they also understood what rugby league meant for putting food on the table, roof over our heads. So my wife and kids understood. They, they were a part of my career. But um, you know, my kids had sports events on. I'd made sure I was there. If, if they needed, you know, I'd always make sure that you know, I'd, I'd be at their big school moments. If they had you know, the Easter hat parade or Christmas, whatever it was, I was there as well. And, and I grew up with 10 brothers and sisters and my family's super close and my family means everything to me. So everything I do, I do with my kids, I do with my wife and, and that brings me the most joy in my life. It's not, it's not my career or what it, the most joy I've ever had in my whole football career actually. It's not scoring a try in State of Origin, it's not winning the comp. It's actually after I won the comp in 2015, I had six of my kids on the field with the trophy, we're walking around packed, uh, however many thousand people, 80 odd thousand people at the stadium cheering for us after we won. I've got my kids and they're hugging me and we're walking around and my kids are telling me, Dad, I'm so proud of you. You know, like you've worked so hard for this. And just seeing their faces, how proud they were of me, I'll never forget the way my kids looked at me that night. I don't, that stands out to me more than scoring tries or winning origin matches or, or doing any of that sort of stuff. Seeing how my kids felt about me, that, 
that to me is my biggest highlight in my football career. That's your ultimate trophy, right? Yeah, well, that, you know, the, the game's come and gone past me and there's going to be another superstar. There's going to be other kids that play the game and who are going to cheer and we want their autograph. But one thing that will never change for me is my family. They'll always be there for me. They've always been there from the start and they'll be there to the end. And when I'm old and decrepit and can't walk, they'll be pushing me in a wheelchair and they'll always be there for me. And it's incredible to be able to, you know, when I had the highs, they're with me. And when I had the lows as well, they've always been with me. So do you have any routines that you, when you are a player, when, when you're playing for the, uh, for the, the, the union and uh, um, for the, Broncos, any any team, like so. Do you have like a routines that you you wake up certain times or like you know you have a a, a the certain amount of sleep the diet? Yeah, yeah the, the sleep change when you got kids. That's, that's when saying. you realize yeah. that the sleep goes out the window. So, and it depends on your situation because sometimes I've always tried to have a second job as well. So outside of football, so I'm always constantly learning or doing something on the oh, side wow. as well. So um, <clears throat> one of the years in 2006. When I went back to the, I was at the Broncos at that stage. I was only on low, low money. So I'd go to the Rockley Markets and one of the, he's now a board member at the Brisbane Broncos. He's worth squillions of dollars, very successful, but I used him as a mentor. So I'd get up before midnight, get in my car, drive to Brisbane from the Gold Coast. And I'd work in the Rockley Markets under him, learning what he does and understanding how he does his things. I'd finish there at eight o'clock in the morning and I'd go into rugby league training. So I wasn't getting much sleep because I was constantly trying to improve myself, not only on the football field, but away from it as well, which also helped me. So my routine was always uh, for games and training was always get there nice and early, um, never be late to anything. Or if you promise to do something, you do it. So you're constantly always there. But my routine for game was, on game day though, was very relaxing. So I'd go for a surf or I'd play a game of golf, nine holes of golf beforehand, get my mind away from the game, have a bit of fun, got me excited and then have a little sleep, have something to eat, then go on to the game. But routine, week in, week out. I was always up early. Um, I wouldn't let the day be wasted, that's for sure. So when you talk about the second job that you've been doing, right? See, um, a lot of people think like a, becoming a sports player means a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. I, I did make, some years I made some great money, yeah. but we've got a salary cap in rugby league. So it's sometimes- It's not consistent, consistent no. right? Like, so when I, we won the comp in 06, you'd think I'd be on squillions of dollars, right? I was only a young 21-year-old. Yeah. That year, because of the salary cap, depending on, there's only there's a pie. And some players might have this much, some this much. But when I went to the club, there's not much pie left when I went there from the Roosters. I was only on $52,000 that year. Wow. That was it. And we won the comp that year. You're so literally putting your job. life yeah. in the field. and. Uh... <coughs> But there's years where I was making close to half a million dollars a year. So, so that, shows, that shows how much you're passionate about the game. It's not about the money. How much you love the game. And that's definitely money plays an important yeah, role but too. But if you work hard and yes, you've got to take the good with the bad with the good and the good with the bad. Yeah. And some years, unfortunately, there's no room in that salary cap. So you have to make a decision. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I take a pay cut? What do I do? But it's doesn't matter about the money. The money comes at the end eventually. If you do that hard work and you push to be the best, you'll be rewarded. It might not come, happen straight away, but you'll be rewarded later in your career. And, and that's what I found in my career. Do you think uh, the, 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 the rugby players, do they face a lot of challenges right now? 
what's going on in the current situation do you have any advice for them like you know the young people who wants to become a rugby player right and you see what's going on in the world right now and uh, so what do you tell them to do like because they are if even though they are passionate about the game but they have a life to do you know you, i'm i'm talking about the long term yeah. right so what what you actually achieved from um what knowledge that you wanted to share with well, the, them well it might be like the percentage of you making as a rugby league player for first is like a 0.0 something 1%. Like a very small percent of people that want to be rugby league, professional rugby league players is extremely low. So when you make it, you got to realize that to make the most of it, you're going to make hay while the sun shines. So what you do, I wish I knew now what I knew at the start of my career because, <clears throat> you know, if you're smart with your money, you can look after yourself and set yourself up for life. And you know, I was pretty good at that, but looking back now it's like i wish i did a few other things different because before you know it your career can come and go and you got to make the most of it and set yourself up because rugby league isn't something you do from the age of 18 through to 50 or 65 retirement age it's between 18 to 31 32 so it's a very short life expectancy in a rugby league world so if you're making that good money you need to invest right and and make sure you're doing everything right to be able to hold your spot in that team, invest right, and set yourself up for life after. Because you still, at the end of rugby league, you still got your family, you still got your wife and kids. You need to make sure you're looking after them. So when you talk about investment, right? Um, so you think it's always better, even if you're on a prime time of the game, and if you're making a lot of money, try to learn other skills as well on the side. Of course. Yeah. Well, it's always. I always found it very important because. Once your football career is up, you're going to have to go into a new profession. So find out what you love, find out what you're good at, what other what other people look around you. So I always looked around me to successful people. And in rugby league world, there are a lot of successful people like to hang out with football players and go to functions. So you met a lot of them. So instead of being quiet and just sticking to my footy mates, I'd go introduce myself to different people, find out what they did, found out if that interests me, maybe go along to their work for a day, check it out, get a little bit of work experience, see if I like something like that. And seeing if that's something that could help my my career post football. So you are upgrading your skills while you are playing the game too. In the yeah, other I side. think I did that too because I was I was a pretty young parent. So I had young kids. I realised that footy's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to send them to good private schools and them to be able to have horses and motorbikes and all that fun stuff that they have. That I'm going to have to have a good job when I finish playing football. So make sure I had the skill set ready to go to be able to support those kids. Um, uh, just a quick one, like, tell me about the Gold Coast. How do you, do you love living up here? No, the Gold Coast is the best. I grew up here, I was born and bred here. They've got the best beaches in the world. It's a great lifestyle, we've got the hinterland. So I've got a little farm, so my kids have got horses. Oh, okay. They've got motorbikes, they've got chickens, they've, they've got the surfboards to go surfing. So the best of all the worlds, they've got good schools. It's not like super busy, there's not traffic everywhere. So this is where I grew up, I love it here and it's, a great place to raise a family and, and I love it, my kids love it, so that's a win-win. You talk about the investments, right? When you come out of the business, like uh, as a player, the investments, like, um, what is the best platform? Because you know, you will be, a, a young player will be completely focusing on the games and everything. What will be the best platform for a sports player to invest? Well, the great thing is you got such a, you know, some of us, we're earning fantastic money. And now the players now earning, some players are earning over a million dollars a season. So there's great opportunity to be able to get into investments that are property that's positively geared. So automatically from the get-go is making money. So a lot of people, instead of 
they get all this money, a lot of players do, and they just party, have a good time, they drink it, they gamble it, they, you know, they, they live that high lifestyle, keeping up with the Joneses. But they just realised they could still have a good lifestyle, but if they invest it right, and those, those investments will grow by the end of their career, um, those investments um, turn into to be a passive income for them. And that means if they want to go to work after their footy career, they can go to work. If they don't want to go to work, they don't have to. That money is always going to come in. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, you know, if you get the right people around you to help, yes. that's something that can help. Get help from the right people, right? Advice. Yeah, definitely. Always go for the uh, advice and uh, always ask people about, like, you know, questions about, like, hey, how can I multiply money? Or um, what's the best way where I can actually invest in it? Yeah, it's to get advice. But don't always trust that you yeah. need to, at the end of the day, I, I made some poor decisions. I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. from bad investments because I trusted other people. Learn from other people, take their advice on board. But at the end of the day, that's your money. You need to make the right decision with that money. You've got to be happy with it. If it goes belly up, you're responsible for that belly up. Mm-hmm. Or if it's successful, that's on you as well. So find out the information so you can make an educated decision on it. And that's one thing for me, it was always constantly learning, getting advice, understanding what I was going to invest my money in first. Don't just trust someone because they, you know, something that's glittery and shiny, it could be a turd underneath it, a big dirty turd. You know, that, that doesn't mean it's great. So everyone looks at the bright lights and the shiny stuff, but it's what's underneath that's important. Find out what you're investing in first, finding out what it is and, and making those good investments. That's great. And um, I want to say thank you so much for your valuable time. It's an absolute honor. I, I, I learned a lot. Um, because I don't know much. I, you know, I'm, an, I'm a mag- migrant. After I came to Australia, I realized mm-hmm. like this country has the biggest sportsman spirit that oh, anywhere else. Sports. Yeah. yeah, Australia is all about sports. Like they're the best at hockey, they're best at soccer, cricket. You don't want to talk about it. They're the kids. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weather here. The, we just love being outdoors, having a good time. Yes, great. And uh, rugby is something I'm really fascinated about. Like, you know, I wanted to know more about it. And uh, it is an absolute honor to, be, to have you on this interview. And uh, there are going to be a lot of viewers actually uh, from India and all. They haven't heard much about the game. So this will encourage them to go and have a look into this game, you know. And I wish you all the best for your future and uh, thank you so much for your time again thanks Eddie. appreciate that do you have any final advice for the people like any oh the, the final upcoming advice. yeah future heroes yeah probably what i said earlier there's, there's certain things i live the two key points if you take out of this is there's no one better than you but you're no better than anyone else that means you, you can be anything you want to be if you're willing to do the work and do more than others you can be as successful as you want to be okay and the second thing is that's the small and simple things. You do the small and simple things right, success is going to follow. If you but on the other side of that, if you're going to take little sh- small shortcuts, or you tell a little lie here, or you rip someone off there, that's going to turn into a big mistake in, or a big people not wanting to invest with you, work with you, whatever it may be. So constantly just being honest to yourself, doing those little things right. That's one thing I've learned from my rugby league career and life in general that's really helped me. And it's helped me and I'm excited, I'm happy, I love my life is because I'm always trying to progress and be better. And that comes off the back of, if I see something, I know I can achieve it. The only one stopping that's me. Mm. And to get there, it's just the little things. You don't have to be this 
incredible person that does these incredible things. It's those little things that get you there in the long run. Now, um, thank you so much for watching our podcast. And if you like our content, please like and subscribe and leave a comment below. Stay blessed.